Warning. The 1982 project contains explicit language. We're only human. <laughs> skip to the end here because Halloween 3 is dead last on my list of <laughs> Come on! You fun don't movies think it's more fun than Cat People? No, if Cat People is my number five and Halloween 3 is my number six. Explain it to me so I can understand. Fuck you! Cat People is <laughs> devoid of fun! Yeah, what are you talking about? Okay, By okay, design! Hello and welcome to the 1982 Project. My name is Michael Schantz. And I'm Matt Aldrich. And this is the show that takes you into the bare ass of Tom Atkins. (laughs) (laughs) Don't come in with your goddamn grudges. (laughs) We ain't partners. We ain't brothers and we ain't friends. What are you people? On dope? I got nowhere else to go! I'm afraid! Alright! He likes Wonder Whip. Let's get let's blow it up right away. The black man. This has a whorehouse in it. Now that penis had a moment. I'd recognize that penis anywhere. Fuck you two! You go clean off my door. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Enough talk. Dear listeners, we're we're doing something we've never tried before. Yeah. We we are going. We are going to try to take on six horror movies that are all very schlocky, but have some, like, <laughs> cultural cachet and, and significance, as we've been talking about the pedigree of 1982. Uh, there are some actually important movies in this batch of schlocky films. The, sure. the schlocky films we're talking about are Creepshow, Cat People, The Swamp Thing, Piranha 2, The Spawning. That's no, it's one movie, Piranha 2, The Spawning. Not <laughs> Piranha 2 and The Spawning. It's Piranha 2, The Spawning. Or The Flying Killers. Also known as The Flying Killers. So again, one movie, not three. <laughs> Friday the 13th, Part 3. And Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I imagine that most of these six films, being forced to watch them, are your movie nightmare. In a way, it was. <laughs> However, I have I had seen so many of these movies before that you recently I, sent me a picture of how old you were. Yes, uh, I uh, my it's cousin. So inappropriate. <laughs> my my cousin sent me a picture from. It was actually we found out it was New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty two. So wow. so this actually the kid in the photo had no idea what the next 12 months were going to bring. <laughs> yet I, be, all, yet I look strangely guilty already. Yeah, so. Already. You had no Damaged. idea you were going to be abandoned in a movie theater so your dad could go attend to his sinking boat while yes, you that. watched Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> definitely. That, By that, the way, listeners, the I didn't make that story up. That happened. No, it's all in there. It's all in the photo. Uh, and you need to dig up a photo from that time. Uh, yeah, so we can, I will. We can put, the, we can put them side by side. Um, but what I said, uh, I said that these movies aren't just schlock, Mike, because um, 
we got some big names involved in the making of these. I think movies. within the horror community, they would put one of these movies into the prestige column. Which one? Creep Show. Creep Show. I think people I, I, lo- who love Creep Show love Creep Show a lot. My, you know, reading reading up on Creep Show and the legacy of Creep Show, it is one of those titles that um, persists. Yeah. And in terms of getting rebooted, and then there's a series, and then you know when you talk about Creep Show, you sort of have to talk about Tales from the Crypt. Right. This is a title that has stayed with us, and as you say, like it is a revered title within the. Um, within the horror community, at least. Yeah. Uh, but but let's take a look. I mean, with that movie, you have two of the all-time horror masters collaborating. You have George right. Romero directing and Stephen King writing. And performing. Uh, you also have James Cameron making his first film. Mm-hmm. You have Wes Craven. Wes Craven. With it making an early film in Swamp Thing. He hasn't quite, he hasn't quite achieved kind of notoriety that he will in a few years. Wait a couple makes, years, yeah. Yeah, when he makes the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And then you have Paul Schrader, who is a, a, a highly decorated screenwriter at this point, and this is one of his early films. Absolutely. So out of six movies, you have five really heavy hitters. Then you also have, and this is perhaps the biggest feather in the cap of 1982 in terms of this batch of movies, this is the first movie where Jason wears the hockey mask. Yeah. You didn't I know mean, that? I didn't know that. I did not know that going in. I knew I have never seen a single Friday the 13th movie. I wow. know nothing about the series. And so I didn't know that he wasn't even in the first one. I didn't know he wore a bag over his head in the second one. I didn't know any of this stuff. Wow. And so it wasn't until the third one that he puts on the hockey mask and what and becomes the iconic a, vision. Is there for a the more character? iconic vision? Is yeah. there a more iconic picture of the hockey mask as uh, something that terrifies us in pop culture? Uh, it to me it goes beyond Freddy's claws. It goes beyond the Michael Myers mask. It goes beyond the scream mask. And uh, it all starts with Disco Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. It, what a weird movie that was. <laughs> Good God. I don't know if I should have started the series with three. I, it was the same thing with me in Halloween. I've never seen a Halloween movie, and I started with part three, and I did the same thing with uh, Friday the 13th. <laughs> I think I have a very skewed view of these franchises. Well, that's, yes. <laughs> I think that goes without saying at this point. what we've decided to do was we want to try to come up with a ranking system because we're doing so many of these movies for one episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no way we can go a deep dive into each one. And frankly, you don't want to. It's like doing a deep dive into a puddle. You're going to hit your head. Um, It's just just wade through it. Speak Um, for yourself. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, let's, so let's, we're going to take a tip from your other show. Yes. Yeah, everything so sequel. At podcast. the beginning of every series on the everything sequel podcast, we rank the movies from best to worst We're we have a, a similar idea. We had, we had kind of talked around the idea of as a film, which ones is truly the best film, but also then we started talking which one's the funnest one to watch? Yeah, that's such a weird thing with these horror movies is that, for me, like the worst made movies on this list 
we're the most enjoyable to sit and watch. And, you know, I am a big fan of movies that are so bad they're good. Mm -hmm. And so that should come as no surprise. Well, and I'm not sure uh, if you had this thought, but I certainly did where I watched these movies and thought, I wished I was watching these with Matt. Oh, yeah. No, I (laughs) I wish we were just like hanging out and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and it, it, there were 10 people in the room and we all had popcorn and you yeah. know, you're th- throwing it at the TV screen. And, and your everything. wife leaves the room because we've gone into 12-year-old boy mode. Yeah, she would she would have gotten pretty tired of any one of these films. about <laughs> As we start tw- cracking jokes. 12 and a half minutes in to, uh, to any of them. <laughs> let, let, let's let's get into the yeah. let's get into the rankings. Let's 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 do this. One to six best made film to worst made film. Mike. What are your what is your best made film? Give me your list. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, wait. You said best made, right? Technically competent, superior to the others, narratively clear, the best made film. Cause the only one that actually like does have vision to me in that way is Cat People. Paul Schrader is mm-hmm. a good filmmaker. Right. But but I don't care for that movie as much as I as as other movies. So what's your when you say what's the best movie here? What is your rubric? I Matt, it's really hard with these movies. <laughs> I don't mind telling you. Uh I have talked about Halloween 3 twice now. Once with you, and then again with Tom when we did the Halloween series this past October. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the first two episodes of Creep Show, I think Creep Show would be at the top of my list. But right now, Halloween three is at the top of my list. Oh boy, oh boy. Okay, <laughs> all right. I will tell you this: I watched Halloween three again. I watched it in the context of professionalism. Yeah, total professional. Total professional. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm bringing my A game here. <laughs> I watched it in the context of the sequels of 1982. We watched Airplane 2, Grease 2, Halloween 3, and Piranha 2. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, you got me uh, roses and a brick and <laughs> yeah exactly. it's and the strangest eggs. it's the strangest stocking <laughs> santa ever stuffed right yeah. <laughs> so so now watching halloween 3 in context of these other horror movies especially these other kind of cheaply made or right. quickly made uh horror movies i can see what you and tom see in it right in that it is actually a quite capable, or it's made quite capably. Yes. And I actually surprisingly put it near the top of my list as well. I still think it's a terrible movie. <laughs> but I actually respect the do you think? Do you filmmaking. really think it's a terrible movie? Or yes. do you think it has a terrible character? Both. Okay. All right. Fine. Both and and I and when I talk about my list, I want to get into that. But uh, so so uh, so you would put Halloween three at the, at the top of your list, yeah, for best movie. Okay, what's what's underneath that? I'm gonna say Creep Show. Okay. Well, come on. I mean, ben? give me something. What's oh, at the top? Want, of, you, 
What's oh, the top you want to go list? back and forth? You want to yeah. go back and forth? Okay. Top of my list. <sighs> now, I, now I'm waffling. I know. This, this was actually really hard. Uh, it's so one, easy to waffle on this yeah. entire list. So my one and two right now are Creep Show at the top. Cat people. Cat people. Second. Right. And it, it has more to do with their weaknesses than their strengths. Yeah. When I think about the first two stories in Creepshow, Father's Day and Ooh, The Lonesome I Death compl- of Jordy Barrel. I saw Ed Harris on screen and I said, Ed Harris? Like, I didn't remember that story at all. Me neither. I thought this was... Until it started going on and I was like, oh yeah, this is about the cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, that was totally a, a miss for the first two are complete uh, misfires or, or kind of like, when is this movie going to begin? It just right. felt like, yeah. like, like it was su- off to such a slow start. And I had this overwhelming thought of, uh, Stephen King, not a performer. As an actor, he makes a good novelist. I mean, he's yeah, not right. an actor. <laughs> yeah. He does essentially a one man show in the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, where he slowly, um, becomes, Turning into a plant. Slowly becomes a plant. I, I go, I go. Oh, that movie! Just flush it down the toilet. But then I go something to tide you over. I'm like, honestly, out of all the stories, out of the That's five the, yeah. stories in Creep Show and the other five movies, that story is the best story, and it's acted pitch perfect by good actors who uh, know what they're doing and know exactly what movie they're in. Right and had a good time doing it. So I put Creepshow at the top really because of that story and the, you know, the, the, the feat of 10,000 cockroaches and, yeah. you know, and, and E.G. Marshall in a, in a And I room. think that's what brings it to number two for me. And Cat People is right underneath it at third. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Schrader is an interesting writer and director. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I like that movie very much. But it's interesting. Funnily enough, though, I actually found that movie to be the scariest. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But that's only in the face of how unscary all the other movies are. There was such, uh, in Cat People, there was uh, a a layer of of ambiguity. There was a layer of incest. Mm -hmm. There was a layer of, like, sadomasochism that was really unsettling and at least in that movie i I really didn't know what was going to happen next right um and then the other part of it is it's got all of that it has those layers and it really does kind of play on the level of never knowing what a wild animal will do (laughs) and i think in malcolm mcdowell you have, the, I think, the best performance out of yeah, all it's, of these. Yeah, when you films. have a good actor doing good work, it's helpful. Yeah, I wish he were in the movie more. Mm-hmm. I think it's the movie's it's the movie's mistake to sideline him and make him like MIA through most of the second act. Yeah, um, and focus instead on John Hurd and Nastasia Kinski, who <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to see them get together. I I don't know why I just didn't want to. I didn't want to see them get together. Um, and uh, and so for me, I think we have the same top three. Because for me, Halloween 3 comes in at number three. Okay. In terms of the best made movie. Yeah. I 
totally see what you guys were saying. The reason is... it's at the top of my list is because of, like, like I said, if if it wasn't for those first two episodes of Creep Show, mm-hmm. Creep Show would be at the top of my list. Okay. And then Cat People I can acknowledge is a very interesting looking movie, but like you, I just don't care for it. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. It's it's interesting looking. It's got actors right. you recognize. Right. It's got It's got all of that. It has all the stuff except the the the, the parts are greater than the sum right. in that movie. I it's think weird, I think that's part thing. of it. Uh, so let's let's talk about the bottom three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the rubber beats the road. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. Here's here's my bottom three. I'll give it to you right now. Okay. Swamp thing number four. Oh wow. I didn't think that that was going to be there for you. I, I think for me, it edges out the other two because it at least has something besides the horror and the action movie going on. It's trying it's trying to underline, yes. italicize, in quotes, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to tell. Because it was story. really hard for me because I, I enjoyed Piranha 2 so much. Um, but I'm like you. Swamp Thing was at four for me. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So, and then and then the five and six are Friday the 13th, five, and Piranha 2 as the as the bottom. Piranha 2 is the worst made movie. Yes. Out of all of these. Yeah. And I, I'm... Full stop. So, in quality, yes, I am Friday the 13th, part three, and then Piranha 2 so, as funny. well. So, it's funny. We're, 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 we're with of the like exception, minds. We're of like minds, at least, what's in the top and what's in the bottom. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, when we talk about fun. Okay, here's the, let me set the scene. It's you and 11 friends. You've rented out a screening room, and you've got all the food and the beers and everything. You've got everything together, and the lights go down, and what movie comes up out of these six? It's really close between two of them, but I'm going to go <laughs> Swamp Thing. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. I love it. What's the second? Piranha 2. I have the same top two, except they're inverted. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm so close to putting Piranha 2 at the top, because you know how much I loved that when we talked about it the last time. Yeah. But there's something... I don't want to use the word ineptitude, because we're talking about Wes Craven, and we're talking about James Cameron. Yes. But but there is something... Like, the, the repeated scene... The fan boat scene in Swamp Thing, where you're oh seeing God. the same thing, like over, like it's so delightfully inept <laughs> that I found myself literally by myself cheering this movie on in that like, moment. What What's amazing is in these two movies, you have Wes Craven and James Cameron in early outings, and we talked at length about like we should add the caveat that James Cameron was fired after two weeks. Yes. Having said that, that's a James Cameron movie. Yes. Uh, Certainly certain parts of it. There are other parts that feel very... um, Female-centered hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's too much to deny that it feels like a James Cameron movie. However much he himself would like to uh, cut himself loose of the movie itself. Yeah, he wants us to think Terminator was his first film. Right. But... I raise my hand politely in the back and I say, what about Piranha 2? I object. (laughs) I register my objection because you're right. Uh, James Cameron's 
all over this movie. Yeah. And Wes Craven, would, would, interestingly, in this point in his career, this is his third movie, and he wanted to show that he could direct more than horror, that he could do action. Mm-hmm. And I think the action parts are kind of the least successful of this right. movie. And Wes Craven then uh, uh, said, well, maybe I don't need to do action. Maybe I'll just stick to horror and create a few timeless franchises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, uh, which was really great. And so... Which in and of itself is remarkable like, when you think about having more than one is ridiculous. Like we've said so many other times, the, both of these guys are first ballot Hall of Fame right. in their uh, crafts. And so to watch early movies of theirs, I think is instructive and fun and everybody starts somewhere and you know and 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 you can only do so much with you know thirty dollars and a fan boat you know you it, 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 which is what it looked like they, <laughs> right, exactly. they, they took for swamp thing swamp thing is so fun to watch uh it's so it's so strange it's but it's bizarre and it's funny how much of it i had forgotten but it's like i had forgotten that movie but the sense of it as I was watching it, because I remember seeing it in the theater as a kid. Yeah. And loving Swamp Thing. Yeah. For some reason, it just hits you in the the 10-year-old solar plexus. Right, uh, right, 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 right. This is amazing. (laughs) And you don't, like, looking at it now, I can't figure out why I thought that, but... (laughs) um, This is... But the feeling of it was there still. Yes, I had a... I will cop to having a nostalgia for this movie yeah. because, again, like all of these movies, it was on heavy rotation on HBO in the early 80s, mm-hmm. and the narrative is perfect for a 10-year-old. Yeah. A 10-year-old can get this movie. An 11-year-old might raise his hands and point out some um, <laughs> inconsistencies. A 12-year-old would go, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> right. like it re- really has a cap. Um so there was a, was a my inner 10 year old was definitely activated when I was watching this movie. I'm glad that your inner 10 year old can be activated because I, I, I sometimes I'm not sure that you wouldn't be always the 13 year old that says, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's hard to get in touch with uh, sometimes. <laughs> this movie is so it's so cheap looking in, yes. in everything it does. Like the. The first time you see Swamp Thing, you see the construction of the suit. Like, like completely, see. completely and totally. You can, can see where the suit is bending at his hip. Yeah, you, it just... At all it times. Just, it, never, it never doesn't look like a suit. Yeah. And so, at a certain point, you go, all right, I guess it's just a guy in a suit. And you right. just move on. It'd be the same way as if you're watching a play of the Swamp Thing. You would be like, oh, that's a guy in a suit. And you, yeah. and you move on. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you're like, the film historian part of you goes, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon looked pretty fucking good, guys. Well, here was the thing is that the creature from the Black Lagoon wasn't, it didn't have to be shot in full daylight. Which yeah, this yeah, movie, right. this movie seems to have needed because of budgetary concerns. It seems to have needed to be shot at the day in the day yeah. because they couldn't get the lights and probably the terrain was such that shooting at night would have been prohibitive. Well, so, and it's funny too because it's set in Louisiana, I think, right? Yeah, but it wasn't shot. But there. it's shot in South Carolina. 
but a good chunk of it was shot on a lake in California, and you can yeah. always tell. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, know. there's no continuity. There's yeah. absolutely no continuity. But it was like they 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 made him uh, need the sun, like right. the the sun, you know. And I guess like okay, he's a plant photosynthesis. Sure, he needs the sun uh, for but strength. But he's standing in the sun for quite a while, not <sighs> growing that arm. <laughs> Yes, it is a very strange convention that they chose. <laughs> and the fallout from that convention is every scene that should be happening at night in order to build tension, mystery, right. suspense is happening in broad daylight. Even when you have the right. villain, when you have the villain, like, essentially, like, howling at the moon, he has to, like, howl at the sun. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because, yes, exactly. Because this poor movie did not have the money to shoot at night. And so it has this um, a real, uh, just all in on the schlockiness quality it's to it. It's so all in. I mean, yeah. this movie starts with a title card about how, uh, you know, people have been seeing this swamp thing and he is too powerful to be destroyed, too intelligent to be captured. He's captured like four times in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's nothing intelligent about him. No. And his power seems to just be like grabbing people by the top of their head. Yes. Like that. <laughs> exactly. Government agents. Scientists. Soldiers. Master criminals. Secret formulas. Monsters and midgets. None of them belong in this swamp. Only one thing does. The Swamp Thing. Narratively, this movie is Predator if Predator were the hero mm -hmm. of the movie, right? So yeah. you uh, have... You have a creature and you have a band of commandos trying to capture the creature. Essentially, that's most of the movie. The head of the band of commandos looks like John Rambo. Like he's got the he's got like the the, the permanent wave black hair with the red bandana. Which is like amazing when you think guy. that first blood comes out the same, you know, we've right, talked about right. it. Yeah. But but to see this guy <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> he looks comical from the first moment you the see him. The ineptitude of these warriors. Oh my god! Like knows no bounds. They always looked like a bunch of dads who are out to go paintballing. That's what. That's what's a. It looks like that's the crack commando unit that's trying to capture Swamp, swamp Thing. So when you have the title card that says he's so intelligent he can never be captured, and then you have him being captured by these weekend warrior uh, figures, the whole thing just feels like it just starts coming apart. And then and then his mask is kind of locked in one expression, and it's this expression of ennui uh, that he never looks angry or mean or yeah aggressive swamp thing always just looks looks soulful like, he looks like he's listening to a smith's album or something <laughs> inside that mask like, <laughs> he's, he's oh his facial expression is so detached from whatever's happening in the scene that um these poor other actors who have to act opposite this mask 
that's giving them nothing. Like Adrian right. Barbeau is getting nothing back from this mask. God bless her. She's trying. And God her bless hardest. her because she's in two of these six movies we're talking about, and she's great. And then Piranha Two for me is more fun to watch than than Swamp Thing because its idiosync idiosyncrasies are so weird. Mm-hmm. Like the relationship between the mother and son yeah, is right. so weird. Those yeah. the two actors together are making the strangest choices that you you you're like that what you is, possibly could. What is going on here? Yeah, At for least me swamp, though, for me swamp though, thing, it swamp thing was cohesive. Piranha yeah. was is like a yeah. mess. It's just a beautiful like it's a bunch of disparate parts. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. A but 10 for car me, pilot. the one thing that a Piranha two never has that Swamp Thing does have is when when we get the uh the second monster in swamp thing oh god uh, the little when, <laughs> i mean when arcane turns into the arcane monster like it's a it's a level of ridiculousness that ma- like makes me howl with laughter and that's the one thing Piranha 2 never has. So oh, that's come why. on. Come on. Wait, wait, wait. In Piranha 2, a piranha jumps out of a corpse, okay. kills someone, <laughs> and then flies through a glass window. Through a plate glass window. You're right. Okay. <laughs> I, I did. Unparalleled. I did. I did laugh, laugh quite loud when I saw that. <laughs> Well, so now I'm curious, after those two movies, what's the most fun for you? For me, the next two, and and I put them in the middle because they feel neither enjoyable nor anger-inducing. That would be Creepshow and Friday the 13th Part 3. Oh. I found myself very intellectually stimulated watching Friday the 13th Part 3, actually. <laughs> Tell me more. Okay. I don't know. This might come as a surprise to many people. How did that happen? Um, well, uh, so I'm watching this movie. Like I said, I'm not a fan of the slasher genre. I haven't seen a lot of these movies. And I hadn't seen any of the Friday the 13th movies. The movie starts with a replay of the climax of the second one. And I was watching it. And my first reaction was, I'm in. Like this, I was, I was right. like, this is a great movie so far. I don't know what anybody's talking about. I understand what's happening. I understand what's at stake. I know who she and is. For me, I, you absolutely have to be all in when those disco credits start. And then the disco credits start. <laughs> like if they don't have you by now, come on. It's very much this title sequence is very much saying, here's a 3D movie. You know, because the titles are kind of coming at you. And so much of this movie is just about providing the 3D um, effects. So you get a lot of like like wooden handles being pointed at the at the lens of the camera, you know, right. like sort of coming out at you, like the shovel handle. And the, there's a lot of stuff like the yo-yo being played with at the camera. Like the movie goes out of its way. It is jarring every time. Every time. It's it so, comes up. It's so annoying. Right. Um, that's not why I was intellectually stimulated by this okay. movie. As <laughs> you, this movie. You weren't intellectually stimulated trying to find the 3D. What was interesting was this movie is the platonic ideal of a slasher film. It has no extraneous parts. 
it is exactly what right. you think a slasher film is going to be, which is a, a bunch of kids set off for a long weekend in which they're going to have sex and do drugs and then be, be killed by a maniac one by one, saving the last girl. And this is the one girl who refused to have sex and refused to do drugs. Right. She, they're going to save her for the end. Uh, and then she is going to uh, use the killer's weapon against him to, exor- to to empower herself and exercise whatever neurotic hangups she had about uh, not being able to about have not, sex and uh, do yeah, drugs. Yeah, exactly. And that she's going to walk out of this story. This movie is a changed. blueprint. It's completely or it's or, a paint. Or, it's a paint by numbers of yes. what that movie is supposed to be. Absolutely. So I, blueprint v paint by numbers. Who knows? Uh, you know, the the final girl trope. You know, definitely predates uh, this. Sure. Uh, but this, if you want to study what the final girl is, this is it. This is mm-hmm. this is the. It has no twist. It has no exactly. Like, it feels so simplified so within the simplified. genre. Within the genre, like yeah. it's it so is for, as straightforward as it possibly could be. But you put Creep Show above this, right? I did put Creep Show above okay. this because does because because does Friday the Thirteenth? Like I agree. I think Friday the Thirteenth uh, starts off so fun. Does but does the does it stay fun throughout? No, it gets it gets tedious. Yeah, because like we'd be saying, it's so paint by numbers. There's no variation on the tune. Nobody's nobody's riffing. And it there's does no feel like, like it's struggling to get to oh, 85, lumbers. 89 oh. minutes, however long it is. Completely lumbers along. Yeah. Creep Show is more fun to watch because I just think there's better storytelling going on. You know, but if if I'm in a room with a with a dozen people and the lights go down and we all have popcorn, I I definitely I'm gonna be a little disappointed if Creep Show pops up. That's why Halloween three oh, is my third no. in the fun category. You're wrong. You no, I'm not. You're wrong. You you're have wrong. to revel. You have to revel in the terribleness of Doctor Daniel Chalice. <sighs> and there's there's I just I don't think there's any way you could argue against the inversion of this very kindly old man who's doing terrible things <laughs> but is so nice and the inversion of instead of the virginal woman the piece of shit male doctor alcoholic man and I'm going to go I'm going to take it a step further and go back to our last episode because you spent a lot of time talking about the thing and the shitty men and like like mm-hmm. what would have happened if like this wasn't eight men who were all pieces of shit. And we gave a lot of service to that. However, I think that was purposeful from John Car- uh, Carpenter. And I think it's the same for this movie. I think he was meditating on what happens when eight shitty men are together. I think that was part of what he was doing, and I think he's doing the same thing with Halloween Three. It's not. It's it's definitely noteworthy. Um, it, it's funny. I'm sorry. Even even when I was uh, uh, in the beginning of this episode, when I was listing all the sort of heavy hitters, uh, I didn't list John Carpenter. Yeah, he you're right. Di- he didn't direct because he didn't Hall- direct it. But he didn't direct Halloween Three, but he produced it, and his and again, his hands are all over it. Yeah, and I think it is remarkable that both of these movies are coming out in the same year. 
Absolutely. And that Daniel Chalice, the doctor in Halloween 3, would be right at home in the Antarctic base with uh, Kurt Russell and everybody else. He would have been right at home with those guys. 100%. That's where he should have been, the doctor, frankly. That's the hospital. He should have been. It's like a character from a thing wandered off into a Halloween movie. I, If he was in the thing... So much of his dialogue would be like, fucking, I hate this place. There's not a single woman for me to harass. I just need a drink. <laughs> that he would have had. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He would have been he would have been right at home uh, in the Antarctic. And, and he would have gone to the Antarctic in order to, like, dry out and, like, change his ways. Uh, but <laughs> but he he was just with but all these But he still just would have been part of the problem. Right. In fact, we should maybe take all these guys and just send yeah. them to the Antarctic. But but all of that <laughs> add, all of that added up along with this idea like you you know, I mean, thank God bless Tom Stewart for being in my life cuz he he knows so much background about how the movie was made and knowing that like, you know, very late in the process they were like, well, let's make them robots. Yeah. And so that comes late. And all of that is like, because it makes it inexplicable that she becomes a robot. Totally There's no way she was a robot the whole time. So then you have to ask questions like, when the fuck did she become a robot? And all of that to me is still delight. Watching Dr. Daniel Chalice stumble around that fucking neighborhood. Oh, God. It's so uninspiring. <laughs> falling on his back like a goddamn turtle turned over on its shell. I'm sorry, like that is fucking great. Okay, here's here's my uh, I'll I'll skip to the I'll skip to the end here because Halloween three is dead last on my list of. <laughs> Come on, you don't think it's more fun than Cat People? No, if Cat People is my number five and Halloween three is my number six. Explain it to me so I can understand. Fuck you, Cat People is <laughs> devoid of fun. Yeah, what are you talking about? Okay, By okay, design. Okay. No, no, you. Uh, I, I, I can be convinced. I think I just have such a grudge against Halloween Three <laughs> you're, you're that, I, <laughs> that I just resent having to watch it <laughs> under any circumstance. <laughs> so I'll be like, I'll watch Cat People instead, and then I'm like alone watching Cat People, going like, oh, I wish I'd picked the other movie. <laughs> So maybe you're right. Maybe okay. you're right. Maybe maybe Cat People actually is the least fun movie to watch. In Thank fact, you. hold on. You're totally right. All right. <laughs> yes, I. I was I was thinking. I lost my, my head for a second. I, I apologize. <laughs> Halloween three is more fun to watch than Cat People. However, <laughs> however, you know, going back to your point about Carpenter trying to sort of examine maybe masculinity yeah with these uh certainly with the thing the shittiness of it i think the shittiness of it and kind of the closed off of it i i i do think that it is a it is a meditation on that um my problem with halloween three is i couldn't decide and i think on this viewing i have i've you've decided i've decided I, because I agree with you. He is a sloppy mess. He is an alcoholic. He's a terrible father. He uh, gropes the nurses at the hospital. 
Right. Uh, the only reason he wants to go on this adventure to find out what happened to the dead man is because he wants to sleep with the dead man's 18-year-old daughter. It's to- to- like he's an anti-hero, but totally the movie doesn't acknowledge him as an anti-hero. That, this is what I'm saying. The mo- I, I, watching this again, because this is the question in my head, is like, does the movie acknowledge these faults about him? And my answer to that is no. No. I I actually watch this movie and I go, I think this movie thinks this guy's okay. Like, I think this movie thinks he grabs nurses' asses and that's cute. And that's endearing. We're supposed to like him more for that. I think this movie thinks he genuinely cares about who killed Harry Grimbage when he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He actually doesn't. And, And when I was watching it this time... I was like, why is he going with Ellie to go figure out who killed her father? What's in it for him? What skin does he have in this game? He has none. He watched this guy die. At his hospital, Matt. But not while he was in the room. Was not like on his watch. He wasn't on the table while he was operating on him. But that's what I got from it. It was what I got from it was something terrible has happened here and I will not let it stand. Yeah, Let me get a drink and go find out why. Here's the thing about that, though, Mike. One of the lines of dialogue says, he says, I've been a doctor at this hospital for eight years. Okay? Yeah. This is, this is not his first hospital. He is, <laughs> he is not eight years out of medical school. <laughs> this guy, this, this is the he last stop. He keeps getting booted out of hospitals. This guy, this guy has no skin in any game. He has no skin in his family's game. He has no skin in <laughs> Ellie's father. He's got no skin in it. He has no business doing anything. Now, an anti-hero, and, and we will talk about this movie in a couple episodes, Paul Newman in The Verdict is an anti-hero. Yes. Text, right. Textbook anti-hero. Textbook. And he does everything, like, terrible with relationships, drinking problem, uh, dishonest. But he believes in the law. He th- believes in something. Yeah. There is nothing that this guy believes in. I, I, I was as an exercise. I was like, how how would I adjust this movie to make me all in on this movie? Right. And for me, it's like if Harry Grimbage had died while Tom Atkins was operating on him because of the whatever Irish shenanigans, whatever that, terrible that, thing, that, whatever terrible him in yes. the town, yeah. So whatever time bomb Conal Cochran put in Harry Grimbridge, it went off while Daniel Chalice was operating on him. And Daniel Chalice was to blame. Everybody was looking at him going, you killed this man. You were drinking on the job. Something like. Well, it wouldn't be the drinking because that's not acknowledged at all. (laughs) No, exactly. That's expected. This is it's like. So if if he was somehow if his reputation was on the line if his job was on the line if something he believed in was on the line he would have reason to go to Santa Mira to find what happened to Harry Grimbage find out what's going on in the toy factory he would have a reason to go with Ellie who wants to find out what happened to her father all of that would like slot into place for me or you make Ellie your main character because she's the one I, I give a shit about yeah. It's funny, too. Tom Atkins, who plays Dr. Daniel, Ch- Daniel Chalice, he also appears in Creepshow. Yeah. Playing the same exact character. What? <laughs> and I love him. And I love him in that. 
because I he would gets, say he's, uh, because he gets murdered for being such an a, a alcoholic, villain. abusive father. Yes, he gets <laughs> murdered. And now a few words from Dr. Daniel Chalice. I won't be able to pick the kids up tonight. Something. I could use a nap. Doctor's lounge is empty. Want to take one with me? No, no, Linda, it's nothing like that at all. If you just relax for a minute, I... I think I should have married you, Agnes. Sure, sure, Saturday night. Yeah, that'd be fine. They can both stay with me all night. Linda, I can't get out of it. I'm really sorry. I... We'll go directly to the factory. We'll Whoa, hold exactly on. Slow here. down, slow down. It's getting late. I could use a drink. Let's take our time. Linda, Linda, take it easy. I'll be back to take them trick-or-treating, I promise. Drinking and doctor in great combination. Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? How old are you? All right, but this is going to cost you some serious dinners when you get back. I'm always ready for dinner with you. No, I can't remember the name of the hotel. I'll call you Monday. I got to go. Bye. All right, man. Well, we're going to agree to always disagree, I think, about Halloween 3. You know, next on my list, it was funny because I went back and forth. Like, you have to kind of decide uh, what matters to you most. Something that bores you at the beginning but gets funner as it goes along or something that's super fun at the beginning and gets more tedious as it goes along. Uh, and of course, I went with what gets better as it goes along, and that's Creep Show, followed by mm -hmm. Friday the 13th. As your fourth and fifth, respectively. Thing. Fourth and fifth. And then Cat People Cat is your People last. Dead Last. That's okay. the least fun. I think So then we agree. I think you, you, you helped me see the light that Cat People is not as fun to watch as Halloween 3. Excellent. But you would put uh, Friday the 13th. You didn't enjoy watching that movie. No, I did. <laughs> you did? I really did enjoy Friday the 13th. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Where is that movie in the in the Friday the 13th you know, uh, Pantheon? world fa like, fandom? Yeah, where is that movie for you and just for in general? I mean, it's probably towards the bottom mm -hmm. for a lot of people, I think. It does nothing to like advance the story or the kind of mythology of Jason. No, yeah. What is Jason? Is he a zombie? Is he a ghost? What What is he? That's the thing. It's never really narratively explained. He is just a deformed kid who's... But he's a grown man. He's grown into a, a, a man, yeah. Well, so he ages. Yes. But he never gets old. Like he well, never get he never becomes like a middle aged zombie or a middle aged ghost man thing or and he never becomes elderly he just like freezes at an age but it's an age that's way older than when he was killed as a young boy right so my my the backstory is he drowns in a lake while he's at summer camp because the teenage counselors were off having sex and they didn't they weren't keeping yeah, tabs on the kids. Yeah, he was like kids. mercilessly teased and but there must be some sort of mysticism something. I mean, you know, it's like he's been it's like he literally has been in the lake the whole time and then came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So that's so why he's I either saying, a like, fish he's... man or he has supernatural <laughs> properties, we don't know. He's a swamp thing. Yeah. 
but none of this is really narratively explained. It's always just, hey, we think he's dead. Hey, it turns out he's alive. Hey, he's really dead. Hey, here's a bolt of lightning. Shit like that. Great. At the end of the day, for me, Creep Show is more fun to watch than Friday the 13th. But so just because Friday the 13th is fifth on my list doesn't mean I find it to be uh, lacking in fun. It's a it's a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. But I want to point out that that movie is directed by Steve Miner. And we've talked about first ballot Hall of Famers. But Steve Miner is no slouch. He did part two. And part three of Friday the 13th. He's in the Halloween series with Halloween H2O. He's done the movie House. He's done a movie we did on the How Dare You podcast, which I adore, called Lake Placid. Oh, with uh, Betty White. Yeah. Yeah. And that movie has a joke hit rate of like 100%. That movie is hysterical. Uh, Sadly, he also did Soul Man, which I think we can leave on the garbage heap of films. But he does. But he also has movies like Forever Young and My Father the Hero. So he's got like a varied career huh. where he's doing lots of different stuff. That, uh, that that to me is kind of interesting. I mean, we're starting to get. Are we starting to get into the salt range now? Is this like? Yeah, I, I think we are. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk salt. The 1982 project will be back after these messages. For my delicious cereal, called Chocula. It's chocolatey good. With a devilishly good chocolatey flavor and tasty marshmallows. Wrong air count. Kids come calling for my Frankenberry cereal. It's frightfully good with strawberry flavor and tasty marshmallows. What a treat. Called Chocula. Frankenberry. We like both. (laughs) You can enjoy this good, nutritious breakfast with... Frankenberry. Called Chocula. Given play to each of these movies, you know, people are going to know where we stand, I think, and and uh, can act accordingly as to whether or not they should watch these movies. But now we got to let them know uh, what watching them will do to them. Yes. Well, <laughs> when you watch this movie, can you watch it straight? Do you need a grain of salt or do you need a cup of salt? Yes. Let's uh, let's let's go down. Let's go down the list. Let's uh, I'll, I'll call them out. You ready? I am ready. Are you ready? I think I am ready. (laughs) Piranha 2. Okay, aside from whether or not we're deciding that that mother is fucking her son. (laughs) (laughs) Which they definitely are. Which they definitely are. Like, that seems like a cup of salt, but that feels almost accidental to me. (laughs) Oh, I'm real close to no salt on that movie. But I'm going to say grain because there's also the one thing that made I remember thinking made me feel strange in that movie is that the son ends up with a relationship with another young person like somebody his age. Mm-hmm. And she is at least I think at, at the time of filming was of age, but she looked like she was 14 or 13. Like it made me. It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. He he could never find a romantic interest that was not uncomfortable. That was right. it. Yeah. It was either his mom or his little sister. And right. it was like, yeah, we, we don't know. So between that and the, the naked pirate girls taking advantage of yeah. clearly a, a, a less abled person oh. uh, in the form of the cook. 
Ken the amateur chef. Yeah. <laughs> he says literally, I'm an amateur chef. I don't know what that means. I don't know what an amateur chef I is. I forgot he said I'm an amateur chef. I don't know what an amateur chef is. <laughs> I know what a good cook is. You say, like, hey, I'm a pretty good cook. Right. But you would never say, I'm an amateur chef. <laughs> a person like... who says, I'm a pretty good cook, would not say, you know, amateur chef. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have to go great assault for Parada, too. Yeah. I, I think there is, uh, there's so much fun to be had and watch. It, it topped my list of the most fun movie to watch. So right. I want people to go out and watch this movie. Near the but, top of my list. But the grain of salt is know that this is a bad movie and that right. you are settling in for a kind of a train wreck of a movie. Yeah. And so, and, and 1982-ness of the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, the casual uh, well, racism, look, the casual look, sexism. That's a blanket statement, I think, for all these movies. It always is. Every week yeah. we always say like, well, you know. The grain of salt covering all of these movies is that it's casually racist and casually sexist. Yes. And it's like, okay, all right, well, here we are again. So, But it is, with, you're trying to draw definitive lines in how far past the line it walks. Yes. And you know? I don't think Piranha 2 is uh, poisonous no. uh, as a movie, as a movie experience. I think it, it act, if, especially if you love... Movies that are so bad, they're good. This is a gem. It's a gem. This, this it really is. is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a shining beacon. This is a, this is a the, gem. In the, in the hot, tall weeds of bad movies. Yeah. It's find, a bright light. Yeah, find it. Go out and find it. Yeah. Um, well, let right. me ask you, what about, okay. uh, say, Friday the 13th Part 3? For me, it's, again, it's grain of salt. Like, yeah, me too. The grain is, like, know what you're getting into. You're getting into a slasher movie from the early 80s. So There's lots of lines, like, I can only take so many cold showers. The working assumption in these slasher films, and in a lot of these films in the 80s, is, like, the the girl is sort of required to have sex with the guy no matter what. and and right. And failure to do so is a failure on her part. And so sure. there, there's, there's just so much of that throughout. Um, so, uh, cat people. Wow. I'll tell the audience what I told you. I said, uh, listen, I watched cat people about a year ago cause I had never seen it and I was interested. I'm not going to watch it again. So I'm going <laughs> off what I can remember. And I said, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, again, it's like if you go into Cat People knowing that you're going to get this weirdo, psychosexual movie, Mm -hmm. I can't offhand remember any, hey, I didn't ask for that kiss, kiss, like you're going to get in some of these other movies. So I'm almost willing to say no salt. I don't know. Maybe I have to defer to you on this. Only because I saw it more recently. I, I think we had very similar reactions to this movie, which is like, well, it's made by a, it's competently made by an interesting filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Not all the pieces add up. Right. But the pieces themselves are good. Um, I just, I just don't think this movie's good. And so yeah. like. But I, it like, but I, you know, because it, it is, a, it is a, it's an overtly sexual movie, but I think like, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember about the movie back from 1982, that it was that kind of movie. Yes. So you go in knowing that, right? 
I guess you go in knowing that. And and Paul Schrader himself even said, "Oh, that movie, like, there's more, there's more skin than blood in that movie." Yeah, right. And and I think he's probably right. There's a tremendous amount of blood though, and it's trying to scare you. I hear what you're saying about no salt because it's like it is what it is. Right. But I hate what it is. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's 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 cup. Wow. Okay. But if this is your bag, if this is your thing, then Gat People is probably like a seminal movie for you. See, but that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> are you going into a movie just to get a boner? All right, go see fucking Cat People, asshole. <laughs> totally. You'll totally. get some blood, too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I let's cuz I I think I know where you stand on Halloween 3, don't I? You hate Dr. Daniel Chalice. <laughs> it's so hard for me to separate my feelings from the movie. <laughs> my my feelings toward the movie and my feelings toward Dr. Daniel Chalice are are hopelessly intertwined. I I listen, can't, listen. I can't make a uh, uh, I can't make a, a, a an objective uh, judgment. I think I might have to. I might have to abstain. <laughs> I don't think I can be trusted. If it will make you feel better, I think you can say cup of salt with a clear conscience. <laughs> okay, good. Because for me, it is cup of salt. Because that was when we originally did that episode for the 1982 singles with you. Mm-hmm. That your reaction was my reaction. I listed it as a bad movie. Yeah. It wasn't at the bottom of my list, but it was second to the bottom of my list. I had an adverse reaction to it, and it was all because of that. Right, but when you but when you did your episode within the Halloween franchise, yeah. you called it the best movie of the bunch. No, I did not. Tom still did. Oh god. Maybe that's what I was remembering. It's not even close to the Okay. No. But uh, uh, you definitely had a different But I had I definitely had a change of heart on it. And, uh, within I, it, like within the context of the Halloween series, within the context of putting John Carpenter back into the mix in my mind, mm-hmm. having talked to you about the thing and the idea of maleness and that I think that was actually purposeful, all of that changed it for me. The character is still despicable, though. He is doing despicable shit. Yeah. And I even saw new ones. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a it's the movie at, that keeps on giving. Yeah. There's a moment at the beginning of that movie where he's going to see his children. And he walks into the house and they're about to run out from the kitchen to him. And they're like, dad, dad, dad. And you see him go. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, he, he and like so steady tired. himself to have to see his kids. Oh, uh, there's nothing he cares less about than his <laughs> children. And yet his shittiness is part of the fun for me. I'm going pinch. <laughs> I will concede, and you can pass this on to Tom. On second viewing, and in the context of other horror films, this movie went way up in my estimation. All so right. believe it or not, listeners, this is the softer version of me talking about this movie. So <laughs> go back and listen to the Everything sequel and you'll hear uh, yeah, you'll hear you'll the hear, raw. 
the, 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 the MC-17 version. You'll hear the raw feelings upon first seeing it. Oh, God, I was hot. I came in hot. Yeah. So now we're at Creep Show. Cup of salt? I'm trying to... I'm looking back over my notes. You know, of course, my first note is we start with Tom Atkins beating a child. <laughs> yes. But Creepshow knows what to do with this character. <laughs> Halloween 3 is like, what if we made him the hero? I can't wait for Tom to hear this. <laughs> um, I got to say, I think it's no salt, Creepshow. I mean, you have wives cheating on their husbands and husbands murdering their wives for that, but... Creepshow is all about uh, rotten things happening to rotten people. Right, yeah. There's like not a single good person. In all, even the, the little boy who murders his father, in murders Tom Atkins, the little boy with the voodoo doll, like he's a little shit too. Like there, right. like every, there's no, it's all rotten things happening to rotten people, and some of those rotten people getting away with it, but mostly not. Yeah. And in that way, like yeah, I'm, I don't see a grain of salt that you need to take for Creep Show. I think yeah. you could watch it. You can enjoy it for what it is. Know that the first couple of stories are kind of a slog, but then mm-hmm. second half is a lot better than the first. And um, well, and that leaves us with Swamp Thing. It certainly does, doesn't it? <laughs> Man, there's a there's a uh, lot going on in Swamp Thing. Okay, so I have to go grain of salt. Yeah, <laughs> I have to go I, grain of salt because it does this thing that '80s movies do, which is it makes the handsy doctor cute. It makes the handsiness right. of the doctor charming. Charming. If you took that out, the movie would be no different. But they still kept it in because they thought, well, we got to make him charming and dashing. How mm-hmm. about he just and charming means kissing women without their permission? Yeah, and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ! Like, no wonder we're in the mess we're in. I gotta say though, Matt, we got two doctors, Halloween three, and we got Swamp Thing, and you're forgiving this doctor. Yes, but could, not because the other. Here's why. Are you ready? Go. <laughs> Many reasons. First of all, first of all, this doctor is not our main character. It's Adrian Barbeau's movie. Second of all, this guy actually believes in something. He believes in his work. He believes in the good that he's going to do. He's going to feed right. starving children with his scientific breakthrough. Third, he pays by becoming a monster. He becomes yeah, he does, a literal yeah. monster and he's unable to have the thing that he wanted, which was the love of this woman. He must walk off alone uh, with her. There's no scene where he, as the Swamp Thing and Adrian Barbeau, uh, share a Puts bed in the motel. Puts her over his shoulder and says, yeah. you're living with me forever. <laughs> like, let's go solve a murder together in a small yeah. Northern California town. You want some of that swamp dick? What would that look like? Like one of those cattail things or one of those? Yeah, that's never really uh, brought up. Like, no, his he's genitalia. Just got, he's just got Ken doll going on. Swamp he, thing Ken doll. He does. He has no ass crack and he has no yeah. um, no genitalia. I don't know how he reproduces. I guess, you know, pollen, I guess, is how he does it now. <laughs> yeah, right. He needs bees. <laughs> he needs hummingbirds and bees. <laughs> uh, you say bees right it's fucking funny <laughs> the 1982 project is a production of the everything's equal podcast and was produced by Mike Chance and Matt Aldrich original music by Emmett Aldrich and Murphy Aldrich 
follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I can hold my breath a long, long time. Oh, here's something else that made me angry that I didn't know the first Go. time I watched it. So in the middle of this movie, he and Ellie have sex. So you have this really uncomfortable sex scene between an actor who's 48 years old and an actress who's, I think she was 21 or 22 at the time. Yeah, but he looks like he's 60. He looks, he looks road hard and hung up wet. It was just, it was just, it's really a terrible scene and sequence of scenes where they are romantically intertwined. Agreed. Tom Atkins' wife in real life played the woman who dies in the next room. The bug? The, yes. Wow. So just as a level of taste, wow. the scene of Tom Atkins having sex with a woman half his age is intercut with a scene of his actual wife in the next room being murdered by a laser beam coming out of a mask. <laughs> Those two great. scenes are intercut together. That's amazing. There is no way in hell that they didn't know what they were doing when they did that. And it adds such a layer of broiness to the filmmaking <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, on this particular viewing, I was like, oh, I cannot. I cannot with this movie. I was outraged.